We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, and the Virginia gubernatorial election is today. And this election demonstrates the difference between people who can think, think for themselves, think clearly, and those who have been given over to what the Apostle Paul calls in Romans 1, 28, a reprobate mind. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. It's Tuesday morning, November 2nd, as I said in the introduction. This is the day that the people of Virginia will go to the polls and vote for their new governor. And everything we're watching right now says that it's a neck-and-neck neck race. It's a race between Terry McCullough, who is uh, a former... Uh, talking head, a former soldier of the Clinton campaigns, President Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Terry McAuliffe is a spokesperson for the left of the Democratic Party, and he is running, obviously, for the Democrat, uh, as a Democrat, as the Democrat nominee for the governor of Virginia. And then you have Yunkin, Glenn Yunkin. He's running as a Republican. And one of the flashpoints in this race, if you've been watching, is this issue over parents. Are parents smart enough to inculcate their values into their progeny, into their children? Or are you, as parents, nothing but stupid rubes who, knew, who need to turn your children over to the grand and glorious state, the public education system, those people who know more than you about what values your kids should hold and what values they should askew. Who should raise your children, big brother or mom and dad? That is, frankly, one of the key questions in Virginia right now. It's astounding that our culture is actually at the point where we're having this debate. And the mainstream media is piling on right now, piling on and suggesting that McAuliffe is right when he says that you have no business coming into the schools and telling the schools what to teach your kids and not teach your kids. That the Washington Post is right when they say that parents don't have the right to shape their kids' education, quote-unquote. That Randy Wittengarten is right, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, when she applauds the Washington Post for saying that and applauds Terry McAuliffe in the same way and in the same breath. The mainstream media, the talking heads, Chris Cuomo, etc., are saying that these people are right, that the National School Boards Association is right when they collude with the White House. Behind the scenes, they pull the strings to craft a letter 
that says that parents who are expressing concern and outrage over some of this nonsense are domestic terrorists and that the FBI should be involved in investigating you. When we stop acknowledging that there is an objective source of truth above and beyond ourselves, that God is in his heaven and that we are not God, when we start worshiping the God we see in the mirror, this phrase that I've used repeatedly on this show, when we start worshiping the God we see in the mirror rather than the God we read about and experience in the Bible, the Apostle Paul told us what happens, and we're seeing that that is being fulfilled before our very eyes on a minute-by-minute basis. When you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, when you start worshiping yourself, this ontological hubris, this arrogance of thinking that all reality resides in my little head, that there's nothing real unless I think it, feel it, and say it, and declare it, this name-it-claim-it ontology of our time, that if I just want to name and claim that I'm something that I'm biologically not, that that makes it so. And that I can ignore the reality of this pornography that's being pushed and peddled onto our kids in our classrooms. Where elementary age kids are actually being told to read books, graphic books, books that are pictures. And one of the pictures in one of these books actually shows an, a prepubescent boy getting oral sex from an adult man. And when you raise your hand and say, excuse me, not my kid, not my son, not my daughter, not that's not the education I'm going to give them, nor will I let you give, the, give it to them. If you dare to say that as an angry mom or an indignant father, you're now a domestic terrorist. This is where we are, and the Bible pro- prophesied it. The Bible told you about it. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this right now, think about that. How could the Bible have gotten it so right? How could it have predicted this kind of stuff 2,000 years ago in the case of Romans, the epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Church of Rome? And even earlier than that, if you go back into the Old Testament, the prophecies that we see in the Old Testament, Daniel, for example, Isaiah. You know, I've quoted out of Isaiah repeatedly on the show, woe unto him who calls evil good and good evil, bitter, sweet, and sweet, bitter. Well, if we aren't at a time where we're doing that, I don't know what else is. We can't think any longer because we don't think. As humble creations of God, we actually think we are the creators and we are God. And Romans 1 tells us that we're given over to a reprobate mind, an inability to think, a debased mind, a corrupted mind. We actually think it makes sense to tell parents that they have to go pound sand. When they say, excuse me, that's my son, that's my daughter, and you're pushing pornography on him when he's in first and second grade. No, I don't want you to do that. We we just say that today. 
and you'll be mocked. You'll be mocked by the mainstream media. And the danger right now is it's not going to stop at mocking. It's going to actually result in jail time. I don't know. I mean, they're sending the FBI to your door to investigate you because you're a domestic terrorist. What do you think they're going to do after that? There's another step here, folks. There's another shoe to fall. Let's take a break. And when I get back, I'd like to share with you a Fox News piece. It came out yesterday. And it's uh, titled, The Anti-Parent Sentiment in the Media Abounds as Virginia Governor's Race Enters the Final Days. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. All right, so my story for the day is this uh, inability to think in our culture. You know, I used to think, you know, I was, I was raised in a conservative uh, evangelical home, and I was taught that uh, in Second Thess Thessalonians, that's uh, the Apostle Paul's second letter that he wrote to the church of Thessalonica, uh, known today as the Thessaloniki. So there was a church there in the first century, and Paul, as he did to the church of Corinth, the church of Galatia, as he did to the church of Rome, he also wrote a couple letters, short letters, to the church of Thessalonica. Excuse me, Thessalonica. And in 2 Thessalonians, Paul talks about the rapture, the tribulation period, and how the restrainer will be pulled back. Well, many people interpret that as if the Holy Spirit, who is the restrainer of evil, will be withdrawn from the world um, after the tribulation, after the rapture. Now, if you're listening right now and you're pre-trib, you're post-trib, you're mid-trib, and if, if you're li just listening to my what I just said and your eyes are crossing and you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to get into that right now. Basically, there are several ways to interpret um, the biblical passages that warn us, prophesy about the coming tribulation and that there will be a great tribulation where people will be persecuted mercilessly. And um, in a way that they've never been persecuted before. Now, some interpretations of Scripture say that the people of God, those who are born again, those Christians that have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, will be raptured out of the earth before the tribulation, and that those people if you're saved, if you're born again, won't have to experience that seven-year tribulation period. Others say, no, that the rapture comes at the tail end of the tribulation, that we do have to endure it. And then there's this mid-trib view that says, no, it's about three and a half years in where we're raptured out. And what is the rapture? Well, there are repeated references in Scripture that talk about Jesus coming back for us, that we will, that we will be caught up with him in the air. And again, I don't have the time to go into all of that right now, but my point in bringing all of that up is in 2 Thessalonians, Paul talks about how God will pull back, remove the restrainer, the person, the thing that restrains evil. And I've often wondered about that because the interpretation that I was 
familiar with as a young boy and continue to be a believer in today is that that is a reference to the Holy Spirit and that in the end times the Holy Spirit is withdrawn and that it will be almost impossible, virtually impossible for anybody to come to the Lord after the rapture because the Holy Spirit is withdrawn and therefore he's not there to soften your heart. How could that be? How could that be? And how evil will it be? I was always confused by it. But if you listen to the news today, you've got to wonder, I mean, my land, if we're this bad now, if we're this deluded now, if we've given ourselves over to a reprobate mind so badly now that we actually have talking heads like Chris Cuomo calling you stupid if you don't want your seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old son or daughter being taught pornography, having images of oral sex put in his head when he's in elementary school. If, if we're this bad now and you're being called stupid and delusional because you raise your hand and say, excuse me, that's my son, you can't do that to him. No, it's not your son, it's the government's son they're saying right now. And that's the debate that's going on in Virginia. They're actually coming out and saying it. They're saying, these aren't your kids. In my commentary yesterday, I shared with you that my article with the Washington Times this week has been banned by Facebook. I've received two different banning notices. The first one I shared with you yesterday, they banned me, they took me down, said I couldn't post anything for 24 hours. Well, I went back on after 24 hours and I was able to engage in Facebook again. And that's important to me because that's the way I get my information out to you all. That's the way I get more readers and that's the way I get more listeners to this show. I posted it out there on Facebook on several different pages as a podcast. I mean, some of you listen to it live on KOKL Radio every weekday morning at 7.30 a.m. Oklahoma time. Great, I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Many of you listen to it there, and then you listen to it again on a podcast later on. And I hope many of you post it out there on Facebook and MeWe and Gab and Gitter and Parler and Twitter and every other social media source that you have out there. By the way, we hit almost 49,000 listeners or listens last month. Another record. Thank you to all of you. But my point, I digress right now. My point is this, it's important, social media is important to communicate with one another today. And I was banned from Facebook for posting my article that was titled, Time to Fight for Kids, Their Souls Are in the Balance. And as you know, in that article, I share the information that it feels like our culture and our kids are being intentionally destroyed right now, that there's this strategy for destruction to tear down their hearts, minds, and souls so that they can be built back up in the image of this modern-day Moloch, this, this uh, Gnostic god of the left, this amoral god that says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you and, and as long as you agree with Big Brother, then you can believe anything you want. I mean, that's where we are as a culture right now. I made reference to Oceana and Winston, uh, you know, 1984. And then I used some analogies, parallels with J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Sauron and Saruman, the Dark Tower, and one ring to rule them all. Power, this quest for power and how Gollum grasps 
holds, clenches the ring and says, my precious, my precious, and won't let his power go. And how isn't that analogous to what we're watching today from the political left? I've got my power. I won't let it go. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated. We'll shame you. And if you dare raise your hand and suggest anything contrary to what we teach your kids in the schools, you're an idiot. We should take your kids away from you. They're wards of the state. They're not yours. And we're actually buying this, and people might actually vote for a man who just said that. I mean, Terry McAuliffe, in my article that's been banned from Facebook, I say, I quote him. Now, why am I being banned for quoting people? This is factual. This isn't fake. It's a fact that he said, I'm not going to let parents come into the schools and actually make their own decisions. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. He said that. It's a fact that the Washington Post said parents don't have the right to shape their kids' education. That's a fact. It's a fact that Randy Vintengarden, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, said great peace on parents' rights to the Washington Post when they wrote that you don't have any rights. I mean, this is a fact, and the National School Board Association did. It is a fact, collude with the White House in labeling you a domestic terrorist if you're concerned about any of this. This is a fact, and it's a fact that Joseph Goebbels said, youth belong to us, and we will yield them to no one. And when I point out that it is stunningly similar, what you're hearing out of McAuliffe and the Federation of Teachers and the National School Board Association, the Washington Post, what you're hearing out of these people is stunningly similar to Joseph Goebbels. I'm banned. I'm taken down. You can't read it. With no explanation. I, I I violated their community standards. Well, I was able to get back on after 24 hours, and literally I posted a couple things, and I got another ban. I got banned for three more days, and I didn't post this article. I didn't post anything other than what was already out there. I was just reposting stories, news stories, like this one from Fox News or whatever else, and I got banned for three more days. No explanation. Does that cause you to be concerned? You may disagree with some of the things I say, but... When you see this type of modern-day book burning, when are we going to rise up and say, this is insane? This is insane. Well, it's happening in your schools. They'll accuse you of being book burners because you don't want this pornography being taught to your kids. But as the left is so fond of doing, they accuse you of the very sins that they stumble over themselves to commit. They're burning the Bible, my land. They won't allow the Bible to be read in schools. They've banned it, and then they accuse you of being a book burner and a book banner when you say, I don't want pornography taught to my kids. They say it's none of your business. You don't have any rights when it comes to education. I mean, this article in Fox News goes through that. Again, it's an article titled, Anti-parent sentiment in the media abounds as Virginia governor's race enters the final days. The, the article quotes McAuliffe again. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. It, it quotes the Washington Post like I did. Parents claim that they have the right to shape their kids' curriculum. They don't, says the Washington Post. The University of Massachusetts professor of education, Lowell Jack Schneider called parents radical in their new quest to have a say in your kid's education. You're now a radical. You're a domestic terrorist. 
Here's what he said. Given this frenzy, one might reasonably conclude that radicals are out to curtail the established rights that Americans have over the educational sphere. Over the educational sphere. Yet what's actually radical here is the assertion of parental powers that have never been previously acknowledged and never previously existed. That's really? Your parental powers have never been acknowledged and never previously existed? They went on. This guy from the University of Massachusetts calling you radical because you want your kids to be taught how to count and how to read, how to use proper pronouns, that biology is real, not a fabrication, how to ask a good question when somebody isn't making sense. For example, they've got contradictory data on global warming and climate change. You raise your hand and say, wait a second, I don't, ex- I don't understand this. All that stuff that Al Gore told us was going to happen didn't. Why are you guys in a panic over it now? If he was wrong then, is it possible you're wrong now? Is there any correlation between sunspot activity and the Earth's temperature? Can we talk about that? No, you're a radical. You're asking the wrong questions. They say that the point of education is that you be taught how to ask good questions, and then when you ask the wrong ones, they silence you. Again, they said education should prepare young people to think for themselves, even if it runs counter to the wishes of their parents. Well, what if the young people start thinking for themselves and it runs counter to the wishes of the government, to the National School Board Association, to the National Federations of Teachers? What if it runs counter to the ideas of Chris Cuomo? NBC, MSNBC, CBS, ABC. What if... We teach our people to post something that runs counter to the ideas and the wishes of Facebook. And the blue-haired, nose-ringed graduates of Berkeley and Brown that are now our fact-checkers and telling us what we can read and what we can't. See the duplicity? The duplicity of the left is stunning. They can't open their mouth without contradicting themselves. They say they believe in tolerance. They don't because they can't tolerate those they deem intolerant. They say they're inclusive. No, they're not. They don't want to include you. They say they believe in teaching people how to think, but if you think differently than how they think, then you will be silenced. You're an idiot. You're a rube. We'll take your kids away from you. Because you dared to violate the community standards of Facebook. This is the kind of stuff that's going on right now in the cultural debate. And Barack Obama has the audacity to go into Virginia and call it all a trumped-up culture war that's fake. No, Big Brother O, it isn't fake. By the way, sidebar, I was with somebody this past weekend who told me this story. When Barack Obama was president, he called in the various different chiefs of the various different native tribes from across America for a conclave, for a meeting at the White House. And before he entered the room to greet those Native American chiefs, those Indian chiefs from tribes such as the Osage, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Cherokee, the Seminole, 
the Delaware, etc., the Navajo, before he entered the room to talk to them. His advisors came in and told these tribal chiefs, do not pray in front of the president. We don't want anybody praying to God when he enters the room. Do you know what our Osage chief did? He was chief at the time. He prayed in Osage, and he prayed to God. Because apparently the grand and glorious O doesn't understand Osage. What he does understand is Orwellian. And he speaks it fluently. Double speak. Deception. Lives. Lies. That's all it is. We call it double speak. We, we call it misinformation. We call it anything but what it really is. It's a lie. This election in Virginia, and I hope when I come on tomorrow, I pray that when I come on tomorrow, that the people of Virginia actually made a decision for sanity rather than insanity. For their right to raise their children, to train them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart. That it's your responsibility, they're your kids, that they've been given to you by God. And that no government, whether it be the Soviet Union or the United States, whether it be Red China, or whether it be Canada, or whether it be Washington, D.C., that no government has the authority to tell you what to teach your kids. When you're the one teaching them how to ask good questions, when you're the one teaching them that the truth is an objective reality and that they should go out and find it, understand it, embrace it, and obey it. When you're the one that is teaching your kids that women are real and not the, not the dumbed-down fantasy and fabrication of a delusional male who wants to play dress-up. When you're the one who's asking good questions about science in the midst of a culture that is laden with science deniers. No, they're your kids. They're not the government's kids. I hope the people, I pray the people of Virginia, and I sure hope the rest of you listening right now recognize that they're on your doorstep. This isn't a story of Virginia. It's a story in your own backyard. You know, by the way, in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma School Board Association has not disavowed the National School Board Association's claims. Some states have, but not here in Oklahoma the reddest of race states. No, our school board association thinks that the National School Board Association's comments are just fine, thank you. You don't think this is a problem in your own backyard? You're not listening. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Seek the truth, people, and proclaim it from the housetops and teach it to your kids. <laughs>